the gospel according to John chapter 20. And I'm reading from verse 1 to 18. John chapter 20, from verse 1 to 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple had run Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Verse 11. But Mary, Mary Magdalene stood weeping outside the tomb as she wept. She stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabone, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is the living word of God. Let us pray, shall we? Almighty God, we stand amazed at the presence of Jesus in Nazarene 
I wonder how he could love us and how he could lay down his life for us, the, the sinners, the wretched, uh, as we are. Uh, but we stand today boldly, confident that he really sent him to die for us, for our sins, because he loved us from the beginning. And now, as we come before your word today, speak through me to your people and grant understanding and clarity in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please return to your seats again. Good morning for those who are here and for those who have joined online. And again, we are relieved, eh? At least uh, all our pregnant women, uh, we are done for the year, okay? Except the secret one that I have not known, eh? We are done for the year. And uh, Mema's Mema's bench is growing. (laughs) Her group is... uh, Phoebe, your group is there. I mean, so so you should should go and pay a fee and, uh, and join the group at your back there. Well, really thank God for deliveries. You know, we used to complain that we don't have plenty of sisters in this church. Uh, I think the Lord is providing a lot of sisters now for, uh, for young men in the future. In the next 25 years, we should have a lot of weddings. Uh, so we thank God that you guys are producing, uh, hopefully, godly wives for <laughs> our male children. Really thank God for his deliverances. There are a few observations. I've been in the book of John, and uh, we're almost done from the book of John. And we thank God for how far he's led us. We are now on the subject of his resurrection. And the subject that I want to share with us today is the raised or the resurrected Lord. The raised or the resurrected Lord. And the point I want to drill down to our mind today is that the God or the man who conquered death by the testimony of his resurrection is the Messiah. Every other claims to to save your ship without the signature of the conquering of death is of no consequence. Is that we will extray all other religion out there, and we must come to this one and only conclusion that this Jesus that was raised by the power of the Father is the Messiah, and there is no any other religion on earth that hold claims to this reality. We serve a resurrected Christ, a living Christ. Those who are Christians are the people of the resurrected Lord. Our Lord is not in the grave. Our Lord lives forever. We are proud people. We are joyful people. We are privileged people because we serve the living God. Three quick observations from the story before us today, and I will repeat what I've said severally, that this story before us are 
matters of historical reality. They are not fables. They are not fictitious. They are not fictitious stories put together to serve lessons, purposes. These are facts, hard facts of, 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 of an event that have been verified both by the scripture and other external sources as we shall see later. And the purpose of John is that we may look upon this account and history and come to an understanding of the person of Christ and put our trust in him. Very quick observation. The first thing is we see in this passage the passions of the disciples. The passions of the disciples. And the first accounts, the first figure that the Bible opened this story, and this is consistent in all the synoptics, is Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene, or Mary Magdalene, Mary from Magdala, is one of uh, the women who were told that seven demons were uh, exorcised or were casted out of her. She was delivered of seven demons. I don't know who was making the counts. And a lot of theology has been built upon this idea. You know, how many of you have been to some deliverance sessions when they are saying there are about 20 demons here, there are about seven demons here, there are about 15 demons here, and all that stuff? Uh, we are not too sure how the counts uh, came about the seven, but seven demons representing massive amount of demonic activity going on in her life. But when she came to Jesus, she was rid of, of the torments of those uh, demons. And if you go back to the synoptics, the synoptics means similar. Synoptics, that is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Their account was that the women had planned. They were there when Joseph of Arimathea and uh, who else? And Nicodemus laid the body of Christ in the tomb. And the women were standing there. It's just that there was some hurry in the burial because the time for the preparation of the Sabbath was already on them. So they marked the grave properly and they looked at the environment and they went home. The plan was that, that after the Sabbath, that is, if, if, the, if, if the accounts of the cross died on the Friday were to be accurate, of course there are some schools that, be, that believe the cross died on a Thursday, uh, it doesn't really matter. Is that so? The Sabbath will have been on Saturday, and then on the Sunday, on the Monday, on the Saturday, and then on the Sunday will be the first day of the week. And their plan was that they will return back to the tomb and then anoint the body of Jesus. Jesus had been embalmed already by Nicodemus and Joseph, but they want to put more perfumes on him, as it is customary at that time. The only challenge they had was that there was a big stone that was laid uh, the mouth of the tomb. The tomb we are talking about is not your African six feet down below the earth's sepulchre. We are talking about a stone uh, tomb, a stone, uh, a stone uh, sepulchre. Uh, a, a hole was, uh, a chamber will be cut out like a cave from an existing rock. 
and then a, uh, a corresponding lid, also the cut of the same stone to cover the mouth of the, uh, the place. And it is, it, is, it is historical that this kind of uh, burial arrangement means that that tomb can be reused subsequently. Okay, you can be there for some times, and then uh, after a while, I don't know, your bones may be removed, and then another person, or you can be buried on top of the bones of your forefathers and all that stuff, okay? So the, the women had arranged to do this. Because if you look at the account of John, church, are you with me to this point? If you look at the account of John, John said that Mary Magdalene were there, was, went there while it was still dark. Matthew accounts said that the women went together uh, at the dawn. That is when it was not too dark, but not too light. Mark accounts, or Mark or Luke, tells us that the women went there when the sun had risen. And uh, which one? Uh, and, but John is suggesting that Mary Magdalene went there alone. Uh, Mark, the, uh, the Mark account gave uh, an explanation to this, and Mark says that actually Mary Magdalene went there first before uh, the other woman either joined her later or they went uh, together again. What you are seeing here is a display of emotions, like Mary Magdalene could not wait for the day to dawn. Mary Magdalene could not wait for the planned arrangements. He was moved. And as far as when it was still dark, can you imagine a woman, not men, a woman going to Golgotha, going to the graveside, where it was still dark? Passion, love for the Savior. And she went there alone. And while she was there, we discover, she discovered that uh, the, the tomb has been breached. And then she ran back, still dark. I went to the house of Simon Peter or John. I think John is of the Judean, uh, and then Simon Peter is from Galilee. I'm sure Simon Peter was staying with John. And then he spoke to them, said, the Lord is missing. The body is missing. And then they ran. So we saw the passion of, of Mary that went there in the dark. Also the passion of Peter. Peter was, was over 50 years of age. Can you imagine a 50-something-year-old man running? How does it look like? I mean, if you, I mean, of course, in our days, you see people jogging, you know, with their tummy, you know, uh, uh, bulging. But to see a 53-year-old or 55-year-old man running at this time looks so strange. And John was like in his early 20s. John was like between 18 and 22 at this time. And both of them were running towards the tomb. Of course, John had run Peter. Of course, you understand why John had run Peter. Peter was much more older. But when John got to the tomb, as a young person now, he could not enter the, and the tomb was waiting. Until God came. Peter came and just entered straight and saw that nothing, nothing was in the tomb. But the linen cloth was there and everything, but the Lord was not there. And then John followed Peter into the tomb. 
and they both saw that there was no Jesus there. Uh, the, the lesson here is the passion. The, 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 I, I, I've tried many times to put myself in the, in the shoe of the disciples. Three and a half years of following this man had ended in chaos. We don't know whether he has, has been raised. In fact, the Bible tells us that at this point, they have not even understood the scripture that the man must be raised from the dead. So in their confusion, they went back home. In the second place, we, looked, we saw the understanding of the, of the disciples, verse 9. Verse 9 said, as for as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. What it means is that when they came there, even though Jesus had told them that he would be raised, and they, in fact, some, the synoptics said he told them to meet him where? To meet him where? Oh, goodness. Galilee. He told them they would meet him in Galilee. That they, after three days, he will be, he will be raised. Uh, but they, they are not sure of these things. And they went home. They went home. Went home. And the point here is that unless... Jesus opened their mind to understand the word of God, there's no way they could have understood the scripture. And this is quite clear in the book of Luke chapter 24, the account of, of Luke 24, uh, Luke 24 verse 44. And, he, and then he said to, Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the cross should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem and you are witnesses of this thing, verse 48, unquote. I mean, it, it, and, and, and it's, it's quite theological that it is not the fact that Christ was missing that will communicate the truth of the scriptures to them. Or it's not the fact that they will even see the raised Jesus that will communicate the validity of this situation to them. It is that Christ was going to open their understanding by the Holy Spirit to understand the word that be written concerning him. It was prophesied that Christ will suffer and that he will be buried and that he will be raised again. In the third place, by way of observation, is the love of Mary Magdalene. You know, the men went there, and then they stooped. They went into the tomb. Christ was not there. What, happened, what did the men do? They went home. They went home. In fact, two men even went to Emma's, <laughs> taking these women. But Mary Magdalene stood there, crying, weeping. Oh, they've taken my Lord. Oh, they've taken my Lord. Oh, they've taken my Lord. There's something, there's a proverb in my language that said, the dead body of another person is like a log, it's like a log of, uh, of wood. It is when death happened that we know who loves person more, you know? He, he, she stood there. She refused to go home. She was looking. I thought Peter would have organized a search party. So okay, let's look at the adjoining garden. Maybe they've removed the body and all that. They went home. But the woman, the woman, and this is strange. At this point in antiquity, 
women are not meant to be found in this kind of place. How many of you in your community, women bury people? Eh? How many of you? Even up to now, you know, we have women preachers now. What I've, what I've not seen is women conducting funeral. And I, I think we should be allowed those women pass on to be burying people. Let them go and put, let them bury people. It's not just to preach. Let them bury also. So she, she went back to the same tomb that they've looked again. She went back again. You know how women, they look for something. If, <laughs> let me not cause a trouble. If, we want it, if women are looking for something, they will find it. No? You know how they are looking for something. They've asked you a question, you have denied. Say no, but they are still looking for something. And they will find it. So she went back into the tomb again. And guess what? He saw two angels. Saw two angels. Saw two angels. That Peter and John did not see. And then he, he, he and they spoke to her. And then she came out of the tomb and saw the Lord. The Lord that Peter, the chief of apostles, could not see. She saw it. She saw him. And then she thought that Jesus was a gardener and said, Sir, are you, are you the one that stole the body of my Lord? Please show me. And Jesus mentioned her as a Mary. And then, oh, Rabboni. And then she saw the Lord. Of course, a lot of theology had been built upon this thing. That because it is the woman that saw the Lord first, there must be women preachers. Anyway, Mary Magdalene was not counted among the apostles because he saw the Lord first. I mean, that is another thing for another day. But we saw the passions of the disciples. We, we saw their understanding at this point. It has not yet matured. So they went home because their understanding is still not yet clear. And then we saw the love of Mary Magdalene for the Lord. He saw the Lord uh, firsthand. And then she went home and spoke to the disciples. We have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. I have seen the raised Lord. A lot of things can be said about the fact that the, he could not, she could not recognize Jesus at, at, at first sight. And that's, that should be just by the way, is that the body that Christ has assumed is called the resurrected body. That body, the, the nails that, have, that, uh, that pierced his hand was still fresh. You could put your hands through that hand and there will be no bleeding and there will be no pain. The side that was pierced just three days ago was still raw but is a raised body, and it does not have decay or capacity to, to, for corruption. And this body, too, can actually walk into the room when the door was, like, locked, and then he can just walk to another. I mean, that was, I think that was where Adam used to, that's the kind of body that Adam had when he could go to the sea to name people to he just do all the work he was to do in the garden before the fall. The fall really dealt with us. Eh? Assuming we have a new body now, you can just say, let me go to America. And then as you just dream America in your head, you are there. You are there. Of course, one day we'll have that body. Amen. We'll have that body. Now, the idea of resurrection, why is it central to Christianity? Why... Do we hold the resurrection of Christ so central to our Christian life? There are three things I want to share with you by way of application. Is that the resurrection of Jesus validates and vindicates him. 
Christ, the object of our faith, receive validation and vindication because of his resurrection. Paul Tillich, of course, is one of the crazy theologians, ever lived German theologian, says some good thing about the, about the resurrection in his book called The Shaking of Foundations. If you don't, if you're not a strong Christian, don't read that book, okay? But Bortilic says something about this. The answer of Easter is not a necessity. In reality, there is no inevitable happy endings as there is in perverted and perverting cinemas. But the answer of Easter has become possible precisely because the Christ has been buried. The new life will not really be new life if it did not come from the complete end of the old life. Otherwise, it will have to be buried again. But if the new life has come out of the grave, then the Messiah himself has appeared, unquote. What he's saying is that the story of Jesus being raised from the dead is not African magic. You know how African magic goes? African magic is a young man saw a young girl, and then they want to go after the young girl, and then they start beating, be, they start beating him up, they all, uh, something will go wrong, and then you are crying. Some people are close to the other African magic. Usually, what will happen at the end? It's always a happy, it's really a happy ending kind of storyline. Eh? You know that if Smart is suffering in the video, he will be the king at the end of it. Uh, and then there will be, to God be the glory. God does suffer. So the story of the resurrection is not happy, it's not happy ending. And that's very important. It's not like, because some skeptics say, okay, you know, Christ was born, he suffered, we knew where the drama is an happy ending kind of a thing. So it's not a happy ending. Resurrection was key. One, that it validates that Christ is actually the Son of God and the Messiah, and that he was sinless. And there are a few scriptures I want to read in your hearing that the way it validates and vindicates Christ. Acts of Apostles, chapter 2, verse 23, we learn that God raised him. The reason why God raised Christ from the dead was that he had no sin, and he is indeed his son. Acts chapter 2, verse 23. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Verse 25. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, and I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also would dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life continuing. And this is Peter preaching. Uh, in Romans 6 verse 4, Romans 6 verse 4, Paul says, 
we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Acts chapter 10 verse 40. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Acts 13 verse 30. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. So God raised him. The Holy Spirit raised him. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give your mortal bodies uh, life through the spirit. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. ESV say in the spirit, I think it's by the spirit. So God raised him. The Holy Spirit raised him. But most importantly, Christ raised himself. John chapter 2 verse 18 to 22 the Jews were asking Jesus about uh, his ministry. And he told them, and they asked him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. That when, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus has spoken. John chapter 10, verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. So this claim validates Christ that he is indeed the Messiah and that he is no longer in the grave. God raised him. The Trinity were involved in the raising of Christ back to life. And this claim does have some backups, some of you that, are, that read widely. There are some extra-biblical accounts of this. Uh, Josephus uh, chapter 90, Josephus, no, Josephus uh, AD 90, wrote in his Antiquities, uh, and also uh, Tacitus also wrote in his Annals uh, 4, verse 44. And both of them actually uh, wrote that Jesus was raised. Uh, Josephus said that at this time, I'm quoting Josephus, at this time there was a wise man, Jesus, good and virtuous. And many people from among the Jews and other nations Josephus, Josephus was a Roman uh, historian, was not a Jew, was not a Christian. And so Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. And those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had, been, he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and that he was alive. That is... Uh, uh, a pagan historian writing what he was hearing at that time. Uh, there's another man called uh, Tacitus or Tacitus, also a Roman historian. And he talks about how uh, Nero 
Nero punished the disciples for saying that Christ was raised back uh, to life. And this truth is very important because we live in Africa and Islam is very strong here. The view of Islam and Judaism about Christ's resurrection must be born in mind. Church, are you with me? You know, it's quite boring to hear stories, no? Uh, but it is for your good. In Judaism, what happened in Matthew, the Matthew account, that's in Matthew 28 verse 11, is that when Christ was raised from the dead, there was commotion in town about his whereabouts. And verse 11 said, uh, because the Matthew account records that soldiers were kept to guard the tomb. And then while he was raised, the soldiers came to town to report to the council what had happened. And then the council took money and bribed the, the soldiers. That's verse 11 of Matthew 28. 28 yes, and bribed the soldiers that, that to say, tell the people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we sleep. That was the story. So bribe is not new to Nigeria, okay? So leave us alone. The Bible records that the Jewish authority, the Sahendrin, took money, big money. Matthew said a huge amount of money and gave the soldiers to say we were sleeping. And then the disciples, I mean, common disciples, fishermen, came and stole the body while we slept. And then the, the Sahendrin said, if the things get to the governor, we will secure your release, okay? But just lie. And the Bible said, so they took the money verse 15, and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. But their objection to this is that the disciple came to a well-guarded tomb and a heavy stone to steal the body of Jesus. So the soldiers were sleeping to the extent that as they were rolling the stone, I mean, they, they shame on them. Shame on them. Secondly, all the disciples were killed for this reason. They kept saying, Christ has been raised. If it was a lie, why would you die for, for <laughs> it was a fabrication? Why would you put your neck to be chopped off if it was a fabrication? He did it, wasn't it? Christ was raised bodily. They saw him. They ate with him. Islam. In Islam, particularly in the Hadith, it is said that Christ didn't, they believe, Islam believe in virgin birth of Jesus. Church, are you with me to this point? Islam believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. They believe in the immaculate conception of Mary of Jesus. They believe Mary very well. In fact, Mary was mentioned about 73 times in the Quran. And I think Muhammad was mentioned more than one. It was not mentioned in the Quran at all. Um, Jesus was mentioned severally uh, in the Quran. So, but in the Hadith, the uh, explanation of, uh, of Surah 4, Surah chapter 4, verse 156 uh, to 159 was that it was Judas Iscariot that was swapped. So when Jesus was arrested, it is actually Judas that took, uh, I mean, this is the took. And let me read for you. Uh, Quran chapter 4, verse 156 to 159. This is the first time I'm reading from Quran, okay? And Surah Al-Nisa said, As for their unbelief, 
and their uttering against Mary, a mighty calumny. And for their saying, we slew the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, the messenger of God. Yet they did not slay him, neither crucified him. Only a likeness of that was shown to them. Those who are at variance concerning him surely are in doubt regarding him. They have no knowledge of him except the following of surmise, as they did not slay him of certainty. No, indeed. Quran continue. God raised him up to him. Oh, God raised him. God is almighty, all wise. See, some of you have read Quran several times. If you are reading Quran, eh, they'll be going to any direction. They'll just turn again. I mean, it's, 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 it's a common. God raised him. God is almighty, all wise. There is none of there is not one of the people of the book, that is Christians, the people of the book, but will assuredly believe in him before his death. And on the resurrection day, he will be a witness against them. Quran chapter 4, verse 156 to 159. What Quran is saying is this. Christ was swapped. When they say God raised him, what they are saying is that as they were killing Judas, God's, God kidnapped his son and took him to heaven alive. So they also believe in Christ going to the heaven alive as a living prophet. Muhammad is the final prophet in terms of pointing people to God, but Christ is the zenith of all prophets. And Christ will come back again to destroy Christians who lied that he was killed and that he was raised. So let's wait and see who... <laughs> So you are waiting. So they believe that Christ will come back on the, during the resurrection and then uh, it will be clear. So Jesus Christ, uh, Isa, will come back to destroy Christians. Another surah, surah Miriam, that is Quran chapter 19, verse 33, talks about this. And there's another contradiction in the Quran about Jesus. And this one actually validates that Father Christ was raised. But they had it. Hadith is a commentary of the Quran, so they'll give their own commentary differently. Look at what Surah Miriam said. And this is Isa speaking. He says, so peace is on me the day I was born, the day that I die, and the day that I shall be raised up to life again. Such was Isa al-Masih. That is the commentary now of al-Masih, the son of Mary. The, the, the Quran will not say the son of God. They, they are consistent. The son of Mary. You should understand why they call him the son of Mary, not the son of God. Son of Mary. It is a statement of truth about which they vainly dispute. Now, there are some. So if you read this, if you read this particular surah on its face, it says that Christ said, Peace be on me the day I was born, the day I die, the day I was raised. If you read it like that, it is quite clear. But in the hadith, there are some hadiths that actually hold particular hadiths from like Iran, who say that Christ, when Christ comes back, he's going to die and be raised. You know, so I'm out of time now, okay? You see, you see the confusion now, yeah? And, and that's, uh, that, that is what is going to happen uh, on the last day. So they are pushing things 
towards the end of, uh, of time. Because they don't really believe. Because if actually Christ was born immaculate and died and raised, Islam had no basis to exist. And some of you that are flirt with Islam, uh, Prophet Muhammad was born how many years after Christ? 600 years, not 60 years, not six years, 600 years. And how, how can you redact a history that is consistent for 600 years? And after 600 years, you now come on the, point, on, on the block and say, you are the final prophet. And then you are now redacting the story of the Bible. And some of them will tell you the, the original Bible has been corrupted. And then we ask them, okay, where is, where is the one that was corrupted? Oh, they can't find it, but we believe it has been corrupted. The point I'm making is this, that the man that can conquer death, that is the point of Paul Tillich, is the Messiah. The resurrection is the validation of Messiah. Every prophet that ever lived, that died and was buried and could not conquer death, have no, have no qualification to save and therefore cannot bring life out of death except the seed, except the corn, the, except the, 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 the corn uh, went down to the earth and die, it remains alone. But when it dies, it brings forth life. It was necessary for Messiah to die and be raised to the newness of life as a testimony that he is the savior of mankind. That death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of the Messiah, and the Messiah indeed conquered death because in him there was no sin. Amen. Amen. Evaluate him. And if it is true, if you don't put your trust in him, you are lost. Short and simple. Secondly, I'm rushing to the end now. The resurrection secured our justification. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. The Bible said Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. The idea of justification is a judicial term. Uh, when Christ died on the cross, he paid he redeemed us. That is a financial term. He brought us back to God. But when he was raised, our justification was secured. You see, how many of you have read a story recently of a particular man that the court discharged? Um, I, don't, I don't mention anybody's name. But, but, but the government is saying the guy has been discharged, but he has not been acquitted. Oh, you know the story, huh? So they are trying to put a dichotomy between the charge and acquittal. And I've checked with some lawyers, and actually it is true that you can be discharged and not being acquitted. The charge means something. Acquittal means innocence. Is that? I think acquittal, to a large extent, communicates innocence. The charge, you could be guilty, but the charge of the guilt of, of that, because um, the prosecution have not proved their point beyond reasonable doubts. But acquittal is, is much more deeper. It means you've been cleared of all things. David, help me. Am I on the same trajectory? So if Christ died on the cross alone and stopped there, 
des, 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 des redemptive uh, value stop there. It means we'll be discharged, but we, are, we still may have something to answer. Another charge can be brought upon us from somewhere else. But uh, when Christ was raised from the dead, as the first fruit of those that shall be raised by God, as justification was bound up in his resurrection. And justification means God looked upon us and said, and look upon you and reckon you as if you have never sinned. It's like the slate was wiped clean as if Andrew had never seen a day in his life. Because the work of Christ was imputed on his behalf. The righteousness of Christ was given to him because he was raised. If Christ was not raised, his righteousness was not good enough to be imputed to sinners. His resurrection validated the, the fact that he was a righteous man and the sacrifice that was offered on the cross was an acceptable sacrifice. And God took that sacrifice and imputes to the accounts of the elect. Uh, and they stand justified before God as if they have never sinned, discharged and acquitted. Amen. Resurrection secured our justification. In the final place, resurrection guarantees our own resurrection. Our own resurrection is bound up in the resurrection of Christ, that if Christ was not raised, there is no hope for anyone to be raised on the last day. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is a resurrection of the dead, then not, but, but, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ had been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that you raised Christ from the dead whom he did not raise. If it is true that the dead are not raised. Verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we have all people most to be pitied. The King James says to be uh, miserable. Verse 20. Hallelujah. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. And today we can sing because he lives. Because he lives. Because he lives. We can face tomorrow. 
Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because we know who holds the future. And life is worth a living. Because he lives. Life is worth a living because he lives. Friends, we serve a living savior. Muhammad is in the grave. And even Islam testified that he's in the grave. Abraham is in the grave. David is in the grave. His tomb is still with us. Isaiah is in the grave. Jeremiah is in the grave. Caiaphas is in the grave. All the great men are in the grave. All the apostles are in the grave. There is one man and one man alone that his grave is empty. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. His name is Jesus, the only begotten son of the living God. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Without him, there is no life, and it is him I present to you today that you may put your trust and believe in him. Outside of him, there is no salvation. He is the source of life. He is the source of eternal life. And he is the source and the guarantee of life with God. Because he lives. Because he lives. Life is worth living. Because he lives. That is so much about the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Believe in him. Your faith is not in vain. It may look like it's in vain. It's not in vain. It may look like you are wasting your time as a Christian. You are not wasting your time. You are not wasting your time. Christ has been raised. Your faith is not in vain. Our preaching is not in vain. Our life is not in vain. Life is not in vain because Christ lives. Amen. Amen. Father, bless this word to our hearts in Jesus' name.